Keep She Shatters and She Burns fans, this is Hannah Austin, your host for the She Burns podcast. I'm excited to announce that my first book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is now out on Amazon. For more tips, tricks, and ways that you can burn bright and not burn out, visit me on Amazon at Hello Head, Meet Heart. Happy reading! Welcome to the She Burns Podcast, the go-to podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. When you're at the top of your game, the difference between handling the heat and boiling over comes down to the right self-care advice at the right time. And if you're ready to take your seat around the campfire, these interviews with inspiring women will help you keep your flame alive. Hello, everyone. I'm Hannah Austin, and this is Season 2 of the She Burns Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Katie McBratney. Katie McBratney disrupts the status quo. She's the co-founder and COO of OwnTrail, the platform where women visualize and navigate their life's paths. She brings nearly 20 years of growth, brand, and operation experience to the table. And with her non-linear career path, including roles at One Top Sue, an award-winning digital agency, higher education, entertainment, and of course, tech. Katie is also an artist, writer, and speaker, and thinks no one can ever have enough books. So, KT, I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Um, why don't you start with telling us a little bit about your story and own trail? Ooh, my story, where to begin? Because it is so non-linear, and that's how we first met and, and connected over. Um, it's great to be here, by the way. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. My story, I think, really starts with um, a love of storytelling and a love of pushing boundaries. And those two things have carried me throughout, um, personally and professionally. And right now, and for the past several years, I've been the co-founder of OwnTrail, where I'm also the chief operating officer. And OwnTrail is the platform where women visualize and navigate our unique life paths. Um, And how I got here, it actually kind of, hindsight 2020, it makes perfect sense if you can kind of like track back all the changes, but I never expected myself to necessarily even work in tech, let alone be a co-founder of a tech company. But it makes total sense in terms of the fact that I've always been really, really driven by authenticity, by breaking free of limitations, by challenging systems that don't support all of us. So the fact that I now lead a a community and a company where that's 100% what we focused on is pretty, pretty magical. Full circle moment, it feels like. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it really, it's it's like my self-work and my work work can coexist and that's a beautiful place to be. Yes. So, um, you know, I've seen your journey, been watching you on LinkedIn, um, certainly an own trail uh, woman as myself, love the connections that I've been making there. So thank you. Um, what has this been year, year been like for you in relation to COVID and how did own trail really navigate through the ongoing COVID waves that seem to never end? We actually launched three, two and a half weeks before the pandemic hit in Seattle, which was where the the national, the U.S. like epicenter of the disease. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So it's been it's been really directly and indirectly linked to my entire journey founding own trail. Um, And it's had its ups and downs. 
I would say though, um, and I'll, I, I'll happy to get into some of those, but I wouldn't trade it. I'm not happy that there's a pandemic. Yeah. I am certainly not grateful for the pandemic. And also the fact that we launched right before mm-hmm. this global trauma really happened proved how much we were needed even before, how yeah. much there needed to be safe space for women to take up space mm-hmm. and to support each other. Um, and so being able to do that has been a gift. It has been challenging as well. Um, I'm also the parent of a now three-year-old. So I would say some of the biggest challenges were not directly related to leading own trail, but being just a working parent in this massive set of challenge and setbacks and challenge and setbacks and navigating it um, when there was no playbook for any of us. And that's where actually own trail became one of my kind of safe harbors that I wasn't anticipating. I think when we launch something, we think about the people that we'll, we'll be serving. Right. And we're of course interested in our idea, but yeah. I didn't know how much I would need the, the women of the community, the, um, the safe place to be and the team that we've built with a culture where, it, where I can say like, I have a kid today, we're going to have to shift and make it work and have that flexibility versus earlier in my career where I was, I didn't have that privilege and I wasn't able to extend that to the rest of the team. So it's been, it has been hard mm-hmm. and it has been absolutely the most rewarding work of my life. I love what you said about, you know, you have a kid, right? Before you didn't have a kid, so you didn't know the logistics of daycare or life or, you know, interruptions during your workday and really setting the course and charting the course for your staff to lead by example, right? So you're saying if my kid had a bad day or I have a bad day or something needs to be done, you're trying to instill that in your culture. And I think that's what we need now more than ever. So kudos to you on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, we actually tend to start off meetings even just by checking in as humans. Okay. While still being efficient and not not wasting anyone's time, but being like, no, but how are you? There was a lot happening. There's also, you know, in addition to the pandemic, there is the ongoing um, racial racial justice movement and a lot of things that we're all carrying. Mm-hmm. And so, just that 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 permission for us all to be human, I think, has really allowed us as a team to extend grace to ourselves mm-hmm. and not just others. I love that. I think how how have your staff reacted to that? Were they surprised that you were? human first and a company second, or was that just ingrained from, you know, your principles from day on? I don't think it was a surprise. And I think it also feels different when you're experiencing it regularly, when it is the norm. Right. Um, Because that was definitely my journey as I worked in various different environments that have been various degrees of supportive Uh and flexible or inclusive. And so, um, it has been, and it was, it was well-received and also they've been invited to participate in it because I only know my lived experiences. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for anyone else. And so inviting them to help co-create that has been, has been really vital too. That sounds great. And it sounds like and as you're evolving and growing and moving, you're asking for feedback from the people that do the work who know what the work is. Um, so I love that. And I love seeing women, you know, expand in their companies and expand in their vision. Tell me a little bit about, you know, we've been going through COVID for a couple of years now. What expectations, if any, did you place on yourself this year as compared to last year or the year before? Were you like, next year, I'm not going to let it take me down. This is what I'm going to do. Or any any pivots or changes that you experienced? I think the biggest change that I've made personally has been let, trying to really let go of having expectations. Um, and as someone who likes a plan, 
but also appreciate spontaneity. Uh, it's been a really a good exercise in releasing my perfectionism. Um, and just being like, y'all, we don't know what we don't know. We literally have no idea what's coming next. We have to do the best we can with what we have now and just be ready to, to uh, play the next hand that we're dealt together. Mm -hmm. And having that openness has been hard. Um, it's super nice sometimes to be like, this is what we're going to build for the next six months, the next 12 months. Let's do it. Slight adjustments, but that's not the reality we're in right now. And it's not the reality that we've probably ever really been in. Um, so letting go of that control has been, or that, that perceived control has been hard, but rewarding. And I think that was the biggest shift that I took into this year, knowing that there's not going to be one day where they say, okay, the pandemic's over, everything back to normal. Uh, we're all waiting for that day. <laughs> we're hoping, but I, yeah, but letting go of that expect, expectation that it's going to go back to the way it was, because yeah. I just don't think it can. Do you want it to go back to the way it was? I mean, I know that's kind of a silly question. Like, do you want it to go back to normal? I, people say the word normal and I can't stand that word, but, you know, I think you've had a lot of evolution from hearing your story, you know, what is your new, what does your new normal look like for you when you picture it? That's not a silly question at all. I think that's a really smart question as people talk more and more about the new normal or back to normal. And I'm, I am with you. Normal. Ugh. It's, yeah. such a, it's, can we just like erase it from every dictionary? Um, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to the way things were working because they weren't working for all of us and they yeah. weren't designed to work for all of us. Right. And so I'm hoping that the momentum of individual and systemic change that the pandemic and other events have forced in a way continues. I want to continue to build better, not build back. Right. I want to continue to, to examine and to create space for people to examine the choices they're making, what's right for them, what's true for them, and collectively holding the systems accountable because we all participate in them for some in, in some way and they should serve us all and not some at the expense of the rest of us. Yeah, and we participate in them directly versus indirectly too. By not speaking up or not saying something, you're still making that choice. So I love that you as a female entrepreneur are, you know, bringing and inviting those conversations to the stage, whether it's early in the morning or whenever you guys first start your day, um, you know, as an entrepreneur and me being one now myself, what is keeping you up at like two or three in the morning when you think back, right? Where you were now, where you were and where you are now and like COVID, what is keeping you up? Like, gosh, I got to talk to my staff about that. Or gosh, we really got to do this X, Y, Z. I go through different cycles Um, and let's face it, having a three-year-old and running a company in this world, like I usually hit the pillow pretty hard when I finally, finally rest in, but what races through my brain or what I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about tends to fall into two categories. Um, There's a very like, maybe the expected entrepreneur, business-minded stuff, thinking about KPIs, thinking about goals, launches. Um, are we doing things right? Ooh, could we, you know, what could we do to nudge this number? Um, thinking about growth, those type of things. Those are happening actually less and less the more I focus on them during the day, but also as we commit to building own trail differently. And so what really I, I wake up thinking about in the middle of the night, or I'm trying to quiet down so that I can get rest. Are these these thoughts about how we can 
living two worlds as a as a team, as founders, as entrepreneurs that are participating in the tech startup Silicon Valley environment, but not wanting to play by those rules. Mm. And that's a very sometimes awkward place to be in figuring out how to be in both, but be very authentic and, and knowing what practices to take from there and what to leave. And so threading that needle is something I think about a lot, um, which weaves in so many different inspirations and um, really teachers of mine. Like um, I'm a huge fan of Bell Hooks and I can say that her writing, especially the book All About Love has influenced the business decisions of Own Trail more in the past year for me than any of the business books that I've written or that I've read. And so those are the things, these big ideas, but then also these like very concrete things. So it's either, it's either the big systems or like deep in the details. And then I spend the day connecting those dots. I think that's the the piece about entrepreneurism that people don't understand is you have to have the big vision, the mission, the values, the big picture, but then you've got to have the tangible next steps and you've got to have the marching orders and moving forward. And it's juggling those that is the biggest challenge. And I think that's why a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and companies fail is because they can't mix and manage the two. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your relationship with your partner. Now, um, from an other entrepreneur's lens, it seems like you and Rebecca and your team are really rock solid. Um, what made you guys choose each other as partners? I'm just curious because there's always work partners and then there's like life partners, right? And I always like to say my work wife or my work husband or my work partner. Talk to me a little bit about the dynamic between you two and um, what makes that yin and yang work? Because it's it looks amazing and I want to hear more about it. Thank you. I, I, am, I am very fortunate to have the best co-founder. Um, and she chose me, really. I mean, obviously I had a say in the matter. Um, we are super complementary in terms of our skills and our backgrounds and, and where one of us is really strong, the other one is like, great, you soar with that. And that fits together. And I think that that's, that's a pretty common co-founder dynamic is, oh, this person's great in product, this person's great in marketing, put them together. But that doesn't always mean that they'll work well mm-hmm. as a team and as humans. Um, and Rebecca says, she, she, she coined this, she's like, no, you're my work-life partner. Not just my work partner, but like my work life partner, um, because who knows where we'll go from here. And I think that the the root of it, how we, actually how we came how we came to be, is I asked her out on a friend date. We had met at a networking event. There were lots of uh, of female entrepreneurs and people in the startup scene. And everybody goes around and does their little intro. And usually it's very it's nice, but it's you know they've said it probably eighty seven times. And Rebecca was just so unapologetically, authentically herself. She was like, oh, hi, I'm Rebecca. I wrote this book that's about to come out. Oh, I'm also a a vice president at Zillow. Oh, I'm a mom. Oh, I'm a writer. Oh, I'm also an artist. I'm an aerial acrobat. And I was like, in that room, I was like, that's who I want to talk to. Um, And it was on this this friend date. I put that in the email. I wrote that out. I was like, hi, I think you're really great. I enjoyed our short conversation. I want to talk to you more. I think you're my people. Will you go on a friend date? Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And from there, she she shared this idea of what at first was going to be a book launch website. And that was the seed of what has now become Own Trail. And as she was talking to me about, I think this is something more. I think this is actually a standalone platform and more than, than, than tied to a book. I was nodding and 
lights were going off in my head. And she was like, I, I think I'll want a co-founder. And I had not gone into this relationship thinking we would work together. We would found a company. on a date. I know. I was like, we'll just see what's going on. Maybe we have nothing in common. And it's super right. awkward. Yeah. Spoiler. Fast forward. We had already decided to, to go in with this, to go in on our own trail together. Um, and I think we got to this deep friendship and partnership quickly because we were both we were both had a high level of self-awareness and we also were very strong and, and, and proactive in communicating what was important to us. Good. And laying that out at the beginning, we knew exactly where we were aligned and we identified where we were, where, you know, there might be, oper- there might be mismatches mm-hmm. and it turns out there were very few of those. Wow. Wow. And that's rare. I love what you said about high level of self-awareness coming to the table, just being unapologetically both yourselves, um, Rebecca having this idea, this vision, and I'm hearing a pivot in there, right? She was writing a book. It, this is designed for the book. Oh, wait, it actually can be its own platform. And you getting excited with a spark kind of an insight and saying, yes, I want to be there. And you're just thinking you're showing up for a date and who's paying for the meal, but you're actually getting a partner in crime. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she wasn't necessarily, she wasn't planning to, you know, it wasn't an interview. She wasn't trying me out. She was just like, this, this person, it seems like they get it. And I like talking to them. Let's see what they think of this. And it really just, it rolled from there. And, you know, we, we do these things we call um, founder therapy with each other. And we really do allow each other to still be human first mm-hmm. and have moments where it's just like, I just need to vent yes, or I need your help in solving this and being able to hold space for each other. And also know that she's a parent and going through a pandemic and another first-time founder, um, having, again, having that grace for each other and for ourselves, I think helps us iron out any wrinkles that happen, help us help each other through hard ups and downs of, of startup life and um, really make each other better in our journeys. Well, I think stretching yourself, I think what you're describing too is like having the willingness to, to be honest give yourself that vulnerability, create a space. Cause I think that's what own trail does. And that's what she shutters tries to do too, is creating that space. But then if you're modeling that again, just with the two of you as founders, and then basically it's just effortless uh, to your team and then to the actual entire platform. Um, kudos to you guys. That's amazing. I wasn't planning Thank on you. asking about you and Rebecca, but in my experiences with you thus far, I can feel it and I can see it. And just from a from another female entrepreneur from afar, you guys are killing it. It's awesome. I love Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it is. I'm, I'm very grateful, not just to be on this ride, but to be on it with her, to be in a position where I can say like, I'm not in the right state of mind right now to take this meeting. Can you do this one by yourself or I things like that? that? You need that. Yeah. It stretches you both. And I think the bottom line is when you can have a partnership like that, whether you're looking to exit your company or grow your company or whatever else, with people uh, that can feel feel that pulse of that relationship, um, that'll take you guys far. And it also changes the dynamic and the lens from the people that are working with you and for you. So, yes, yes, thank you. So, when in thinking a little bit about, um, you know, COVID and kind of reentry and the fact that we're like masks on, masks off, um, you know, are most of your staff working remotely? And if so, how has kind of reentry been connecting with others and connecting with your team? We're an interesting, we're an interesting case as a company because we launched right before the pandemic. Um, and when we launched, Rebecca and I weren't actually full-time. Our only full-time 
our first full-time employee was our VP of engineering, Carolyn. And then Rebecca and I moved into full-time shortly after. And it just so happened that the three of us were located in the Seattle area. But when we all went full-time, it was full lockdown mode, baby. Um, And as we've hired, and we're now a full-time team of six, and as we've hired, we made the intention, do we want to be remote first? Do we want to be distributed first versus like allowing that? Mm -hmm. And we decided yes. So while we do have, um, and then during that process, earlier or no, later, late last year, I moved from Seattle to Atlanta. And so now not only are is our teams across the country, but Rebecca and I as co-founders are now not in the same same location. I think actually that that in hindsight, because of the pandemic and even people, even our team members who were in the same metro area weren't in the same space, it's been a lot easier to navigate being remote first versus being, we all sat in an office and then dispersed out into the world and stayed away. Um, But it is hard sometimes to be like, I want to give that person that I've worked with and collaborate a hug. I want to be able to be like, let's go for a walk and take a coffee. Um, And so like kind of threading that needle and also being really responsive to how everyone else is re-entering the world, what's going on in their area and what's going on for their situation, right? Because everybody's in their own circumstances navigating this and not just in the workplace. So, so being open and flexible to be like, it's not going to look the same for all of us and testing comfort levels. We did a, a team camping trip. We all traveled to Seattle and went camping in a state park a couple hours away last summer. And before we did that, we were like, how does this feel to everyone? First and foremost, we want to make sure everyone's comfortable with it because it's not something we're going to do if it's uncomfortable. And let's talk about like our different protocols mm-hmm. and all and 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 concerns right. and having that that space to be vulnerable and open about it. I think gave people the chance to be like, here's I, I'm actually not okay with at, with X or I feel good about Y, and um, that's carried over as we've built the team. Is just being open and communicative and just acknowledging that we're all figuring this out sometimes day by day or hour by hour as things change. I'm hearing a common thread about, you know, turning it over to the team, asking them, what is your comfort level? Here's mine. Setting boundaries, um, asking for, you know, thoughts, feedback, suggestions. You know, these are all great coping mechanisms and communication to have as a team throughout COVID and post-COVID, whenever that's going to happen. What are some coping mechanisms that you've used for yourself personally as a human, not co-founder? Ooh, yes. Um, boundaries you have say, been a- You can say Netflix and wine. Everybody does. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's just the given. <laughs> that's just the given. Um, for me, it has been boundaries sometimes in my in my personal life. Being able to say like, I'm tapped out. I don't have the energy for this. Mm-hmm. Um and improving communication with my partner, being able to say like, I'm exhausted. I need to fill my cup. Can you be primary parent for a while? And then also I was not expecting this to be a coping mechanism. Uh, but it's like, my favorite is I'm going on walks and it's amazing. And I'm just, I think part of it is the joy of being in a new, a new place and exploring, but just being quiet and not being, not multitasking, just yeah. being like, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm not going to listen to a podcast and I'm not going to call my mom mm-hmm. and I'm not going to stop and take pictures of everything. 
I'm going to just like keep the flower in the pocket and notice that the flowers on this side of the road are actually three different shades of orange that I've never seen in a flower before. Mm -hmm. And that's been really, really helpful when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling stressed out, uh, when I'm feeling guilt or shame about, I should be working out. I should be doing X. I should be doing this. Um, it's been a really good reset moment, but also really, it's been really beneficial when I'm having a great day because then I'm celebrating it even more. What got you to the point of allowing yourself and giving yourself permission to do those things, right? So we all go on the walk. We all take pictures. We're like, oh, we're going to post this on Instagram or however that looks, especially as a founder, because you are Katie and then you're Katie COO's co-founder own trail, right? So I think that that's the piece is those two people, are they one and the same or are they two people? What do you, how do you see yourself in that sense? Cause this is really an interesting conversation about who are you? Are you able to be KT? How does that merge for you or does it? Yeah, I can say that at this point in my life, it's the same. And that's how I've wanted it to be my whole life. I think most of us tend to want that it's different levels of viable for different people to be able to bring your full self to work, quote unquote. And different times in your life, right? I mean, I think yeah. that's an evolution for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, for me to be here right now took a lot of twists and turns and pain points and realizations and, and really doing a lot of just like work on myself. Shout out love therapy. Can't, yeah. can't, uh, can't, can't recommend therapy. Uh, right? I I joke. I'm like, everybody in my family is lovely. Everything is going smoothly, but I joke. I'm just like, therapy is great. It's like sprinkles on ice cream. If your relationships are good, I'm just going to get everybody therapy for Christmas. Doesn't go over well. Uh, I didn't do it, but I always joke. Um, but I think just like recognizing that I wanted to, to, to not silo different pieces of my identity or my personality anymore. And that's really something that started even before my career, um, feeling like I had to be perfect, feeling like I had to be the best X version of me when I was in this room and then the best different version of me in this room. And it's, I mean, burnout absolutely contributed to that because I didn't have the energy, but also I realized I don't have to put energy into that. And I have a choice in, in saying like, I'm going to spend my limited time and energy on this planet carving off pieces of me to fit into other people's boxes. And I just got tired of it um, and had this, this moment. And I wish I had like, I wish I could tell you where I was. I think it was a slow burn epiphany that just got more and more clear every day and continues to get more clear that none of us actually fit in the box. Mm -hmm. We don't want to, we never, we never did. And we don't have to. Right. Like we don't, if we choose not to, like nobody is going to make us. Um, and I decided, and, and that was, you know, corresponded with a lot of other different mindset shifts, shifting more into growth mindset, abundance versus scarcity. Um, and what, what, what I love in the workplace and in any relationship, not just as a founder, but as a human with my friends, with my family, with my partner, instead of saying no, but I say yes. And, Mm -hmm. and it comes from improv in that whole additive world, but that actually, it doesn't just change the nature of those conversations. It changes my approach to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your, and your mindset, right? 
Exactly. I think there's a yes to everything with a caveat of protecting your boundaries and protecting the boundaries within the ask, right? I love what you said about carving off. I think you said carving off pieces of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. That was like, a. I had a visceral reaction when you said that almost a Renee Brown moment where I was like, oh my God, that's so true. And at She Shutters, we talk about in order to get down to who you truly are, you have to excavate pieces of yourself or layers of yourself that you've placed on you, whether it's Mm -hmm. Amazon cardboard box, if you want to use the box analogy, but truly it's, you know, who are you at work? Who are you at home? Who are you as a mom? Who are you as a friend? And I think as we get older, that's why we have midlife crises or midlife calms, whatever you want to call it. It's really um, about aligning those pieces of yourself, your true self. And I think a lot of people during the pandemic really realized like, oh my gosh, I can't go to work. I can't, those aren't, those pieces are myself. I can't, uh, I can't reach. And, and so I'm, I'm stuck at home in my pajamas, looking at myself in the mirror and saying, are those pieces aligned? And I love what you said about just like excavating or, you know, cutting off those pieces of yourself, because that's truly how you get where you need to be and where you want to be. Love that. Yeah, I think I think authentic my perspective and, and really the, the past two plus years of own trail has has given lots of data points around this is that it starts with authentic reflection. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that kind of self-love, it isn't always pretty. It can be hard. It can be hard to have those honest looks at yourself and say, like, yeah, I shouldn't have stayed in that relationship. Or yeah, what am I doing with my career? Because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm obviously not happy about it. Stop, you know, right. Those can be really hard or even, even looking at like who your friend, looking at your relationships. Yes. Um, And so I'm a huge advocate for creating space for that authentic relationship or authentic reflection because we're so, so conditioned in our society to keep going, which is great. I'm a huge fan of resilience. I actually have a resilience necklace. Um, And also we don't want to just, move forward to move forward. Right. This alignment. I love that you brought up alignment because I think that that's, that's where momentum and resilience can be so powerful. But if you're propelling yourself out of alignment, you're going to have a whole hell of a lot harder time getting back to center. And I think that takes decades. Like there's times like being a mom, I mean, you can speak to this too. Is like being a mom, your alignment is getting that person to eat, sleep, breathe, you know, go to school and hopefully graduate or do whatever they need to do and to be a good, a good person. But then you kind of can lose yourself because your alignment is getting that person alive, keeping that person alive. So how do you, you know, it's, it's really about how do you weave those pieces of yourself so that you don't get off track. It's, it's the same thing when people are married and their kids go away to college and, and you know, your the couple looks at each other and goes, who are you? <laughs> Yes. I think it's so easy to do um, what, so we have, we had a cohort, we tested a cohort based program for, for our own trail called trail guides. Um, and a participant last year said this, this phrase to me in one of our, our group sessions, and I have permission to repeat it. She said something about hiding in busyness mm-hmm. and Ooh, did I feel, I was like, that's me. I was like, you feel, I feel attacked. Um, Obviously, she was speaking about herself, but it's so easy for us to do that. And then when the chaos, the noise, Ugh. everything else stops, mm-hmm. we're left with who are we if we're not all of the fluff? And, and that's where it's like, yeah, we don't want to carve off the meaningful pieces of ourselves to fit into anybody else's boxes. But we also need to be able to dig under the layers of 
how we need to perform, how we need to present ourselves to know always who's under there, who's really behind a mask if you have to wear it. Have to you? Yeah, right. Let's, every day burning bras. Let's burn our masks. I need one. <laughs> yes, I'll burn my other one. <laughs> no, but I'm not COVID masks. We want to keep those just just to be abundantly clear <laughs> before you get like a a, a badge slapped on your bra. on your podcast. You said burn a bra. I did. Oh, I said we. I said don't burn our bras. Let's burn our masks, but I meant metaphorical masks. Yes, I know. I, well, I've taken us into the weeds. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love that, you know, the coping mechanism really could, should be digging deep into yourself and figuring out what's meaningful for you, right? And not everybody can do that. Um, when you think about this year, right? Not 2020, but 2021 to 2022 right now, what has been the biggest bright spot for you? Like you're like, oh my God, I could not have survived without XYZ or this person. So the obvious, the obvious answer as a parent is, of course, my my kid. Right. Of course, I love her. If she hears this ever, I love you. I'm not discounting you. Of course, you're the bright spot because it has been a reminder to have wonder right. and enjoy life and prioritize. And also another answer because duh. Yeah. Um, for me, it's been tapping into my creativity again. I'm also a visual artist and a writer and um, making time to prioritize that without making it a job. Yes. Um, I'm not worried about monetizing my art. Yeah. If I get to that point, great. But like, I want to do something to enjoy me and, and not to produce a thing. I want to enjoy the process. Mm. And so being able to do that has back to what you said earlier, allowed me to keep the, the elements of my core self really together instead of feeling them drift away because I am pulled in 8,000 directions every day. And I do have that to come back to, and it's mine. Nobody else, even if I collaborate, even if I share my work, even if I ask for opinions, it's still mine. And, and having something that's just for me feels great. And I think oftentimes women are so taught that having something just for yourself is selfish or it needs to be earned. Yes. And that is absolutely not true. We all deserve our joy. Yes. And we deserve our space. I love that. So how do you do that though? So one of the things that we kind of, our mantra at She Shatters is, that sounds great. But how do you actually do that, right? So you are a mom, you're a co-founder, you're a busy, busy woman. How? So when do you do the art? I mean, do you do it late at night? How do you make it happen? Great question that I'm still figuring out. And I think part of that, that links back to letting go of expectations. So having that grace with myself to know that I tried doing a regular schedule and it didn't work for me because the rest of my life is, doesn't follow always yeah, the same schedule. Like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Um, and just listening to myself and my emotions and also my body when I start to feel really tight, really anxious, really almost like um, stuck, that physical stuck feeling that is also linked to our emotional state. That's a sign. Yeah. And um, following those cues as to what I need to do. Like when you feel like you need to stretch your legs after you've been sitting for a while, I feel like that was my creativity. And so I work it in however I can. And sometimes that means I'll go two weeks without touching anything. And sometimes that means I'm working on stuff every day at whenever I can. Um, and, and giving myself that flexibility. Plus also I'm modeling that for not just the team at own trail yes. and, and taking advantage of the flexibility and the autonomy we have in our work environment. But I'm modeling that for, for my kid, for my partner to be like, it's okay. If right now the thing you need to do 
is jot down that idea or play that, that right, you know, play that guitar lick that's running through your head, like do it. Do it. And, and um, so that's what I've been doing. So typically for me, it's, I'm doing morning pages. Um, I've started the artist's way this year. And so that's been really helpful as like an anchoring point. If I don't get any creativity done, I have that. Yeah. Um, and then like, yep, it's nights, it's weekends. And it's also establishing the boundary and being like, I'm going to do art. I'm going into kind of like, do not disturb zone. If the house is on fire, I'll listen for the fire alarm. I love you. I love you. Get yeah. out. Get out, get out. I love that. Thanks for sharing, you know, how you're doing it. Because I think that's the piece is we all as women, oh yeah, you know, it'd be great. I like to flower arrange, right? Oh, you know, when do you actually do that? Do you do that because someone's coming over and it's a dinner party? Or do you just buy yourself flowers and you want to do flower arrangement? And when do you do that, right? And are you doing it for the product or are you doing it for the experience and the feeling? And I think that that really is a pivot that I think a lot of women need to make is don't just produce something, enjoy it right? What is the experience like? Because the the learning and the growing and the growth and the compassion for yourself is in the act of doing it, right? Yes. And I wonder for you, if it helps, and this is, this is something I've also found, which is why my art studio and my office are the same. Do you find that having flowers around you is a good reminder to like, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore the call then because you're like, oh, I need to, I need to, I need to move them. For me, for me, I don't know if you experienced this too, as an entrepreneur and a COO or whatever you want to call myself, um, you know, it's very black and white thinking like, okay, I need to get this amount of money. And so then I need to do this. And it's very, you know, you use that as part of your brain. Immediately when I start flower arranging or writing or writing a poem or whatever it is I'm doing, I'm seeing color again, if that makes sense. It's almost life in technicolor. Um, and it, it obviously uh, engages a different part of my brain where I'm like, coming up with crazy ideas, KT. It's like, oh my God, that is a bad idea. But then I'm like, love it. That's actually an amazing, incredible idea. I shouldn't do that. And then I end up doing it. And I'm like, where did that come from? And it came from those moments of art. And and we're we're at Entrail. We're actually going to be a part of, um, in a couple months, the official uh, US and North America pilot for the four-day week, which is this idea that you can have, you can work four days, and that extra day doesn't mean it's wasted. It actually will keep you at or exceed your productivity before. And, and the science behind it is um, really beautiful because it's like our brains need that space yes. to come up with these ideas, to solve the problems, that liminal space that we've just filled with scrolling feeds yeah. and to-do lists. And some things are absolutely necessary and some things are just noise, but Everything is calling for our attention all at once. And when we give ourselves a little bit of room, the best ideas happen. Solutions come up. We take care of ourselves so we can think better if they don't. Um, It's it's necessary. And so I love love the way that you describe that as black and white and technicolor. It's it's so vivid. And I think it shows how if we only live in the black and white, we are just, we're limiting ourselves so massively. Yeah, we're having a reset, reignite retreat next week, um, and we're we're talking on day one. I'm speaking about you know turning towards yourself, and that's like my big thing. Like like you said, you got to stop, you got to pause, you got to turn towards yourself, you got to create that space, you got to go do art. Um, and it's not just something you check on the box. Oh, I turned towards myself today. It's what actually happens when you're turning towards yourself, right? You're finding your joy, you're excavating the layers that no longer serve you. You're figuring out that your 20-year career or your 30-year career 
is not fulfilling you any longer. And that's not a bad thing. It's a pivot and it's an opportunity for possibilities. And I love that you just said, Katie, about, um, you know, people don't know what's, what's open to them. Like, I didn't know that there was even a job like mine. I didn't know there was a job like yours, a company like yours. So it's, it's the ability for women to tap into their true self and look what can be built. So I think just exploring the possibilities. And I love that's what Oak Trail does, right? I asked for help. You know, I have put out a help beacon and within like an hour, I had all these people coming to me and emailing and building that community. And it was like a spark. And like we set the, we set the page on fire. I mean, people were emailing back and forth. So I just love the whole idea of connecting um, and making a difference and really realizing the untapped potential and tapping into that through Oak Yes. And I, I love being able to see and get to know you in a different way. Cause we could, of course, talk, we could talk all day long and not even get to a fraction of the, of the things that we would have vibrant conversations about. And so being able to, to learn more about your journey in a way that isn't just you ticking the boxes, but is you choosing what's meaningful to you is, is really something I'm grateful for. And to see, I, I remember when you created that help beacon on your trail and, um, not as an own trail person. It's funny. I'm like, I, yes, I'm one person all the time, but not from a product, not from a growth standpoint. I saw it and I, I knew, I knew the trails of some of the women that were replying to. And I was like, that is a perfect match. These people. And so this idea that you just called in the right people and they were ready. And I think that there's this, um, again, I'm doing artists way, but that synchronicity that's there and being open and to the possibilities, right. Instead of feeling like, we have to have figured it out all ourselves and asking for help is a weakness. Nope. Yeah. It's a, such a strong thing. I know. And you know, my previous job, I don't know if I want to hear more about your zoo zoo job, but, <laughs> but in my previous job, I don't know about you, but like I was the go-to person. Like people went to me because Hannah got shit done and I wore that as a badge of honor, but I wasn't growing anymore because I kept, I was the expert and I was like, Dude, do they know that I'm not an expert? I just fucking figured it out, right? But oh I mean, my gosh, yes. But now I'm like, I tell you every day, KT, I feel like I'm like, help, <laughs> help it's, me. Someone it's so else. true. It's so true. I'm actually writing. I'm. I'm. Uh, I have an article coming out about how we can't fix, we can't have inclusive workplaces until we address the get shit done girl. Yes. And um, so many people identify with that and it feels good at the time to be like, yeah, I, that recognition feels great. And then you realize that you're the person that they only come to when they can't or don't want to do it. Yep. And it's not because you're an expert in X. It's because you're an expert in figuring shit out. No. And that's another way that our invisible labor gets um, exploited at times Yeah, because they're like, I don't know what to do. I'll just call Hannah. And it feels good. And like, sometimes they should right? Yeah. There are times that they should absolutely call you. Yeah. And there are times that they could Google it or ask around and uh, two minutes. <laughs> yeah. And so then when you take away that label and you're like, what am I? The possibilities, right? Because yeah. you are so capable of so many things. Um, I love it. And I'm also, I, I will say this as one former get it down girl to another. I'm not surprised. And I mean that as a compliment. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I think we should have a get it done girls t-shirt. <laughs> recovered, recovered, get shit done, girl. Exactly. You get a chip. You get chips for how long you go without taking on everybody else's extra work. Or a box of wine. I mean, more like. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that we're talking about resiliency, turning towards ourselves, digging deep, excavating like those layers that no longer serve us. But 
what advice would you give to our listeners about resiliency, right? The theme for today's podcast, like if you could say to, you know, someone new, right? Starting out in your company or a new entrepreneur who's in their, maybe their twenties or thirties, what would you say about being resilient and turning towards resiliency? I would say that resilience doesn't mean suffering in silence or suffering when you don't have to be. Mm. So often I think we, we associate resilience with sucking it up. I'll bend, but I'll never break. Mm. And while those sentiments are, are useful, I think a lot of times it forces us to internalize a lot of our pain and put it on ourselves to be our only problem solvers. Yes. And so resilience can mean asking for help. Resilience is all about how you move forward, mm-hmm. not for, for what you're feeling right now. Resilience is about what happens next. I love that. I love what you're saying about, um, you know, don't suffer in silence. And I think so many women do. And as much as we are givers and kind of that internalization piece, um, if, when you internalize the negative stuff, and not necessarily the positive things, right? You're not thinking about yourself or how you want to grow or what. It's almost like piling on more stuff, right? And that's where you have to excavate more. It's like the longer you do that, the more layers you have to excavate later. So by just setting that boundary in, uh, initially um, and you know, focusing on not just surviving, but really asking for help, it's, it makes it easier on yourself. But you yes. don't learn that lesson, I think, until unfortunately later. And I am going to say that I am grateful for the Disney movie Encanto with the Louisa characters so that hopefully that that discussion is happening with younger generations, right? To show that you don't always have, you can be the strong one and cry. Those two things can exist. You can be the strong one and still struggle. Yes. Um, And you don't have to just take it all on because it's expected of you. Um, Of course, that's just an amazing, amazing movie, an amazing song. But I think that that's, that's not something that I ever saw depicted in media, Really, um, even now, like it's not something that you, get, you hear or read a lot about unless it's it's um, more on the fringes. So for something in mainstream culture to be like, look, you you don't have to always be the strong one. I think hopefully that'll that'll continue this uh, a shift in in attitudes because I don't want the next generation or even current generations to feel like they have to suffer absolutely as as the price of admission for resilience. Yeah. So as we close kind of the um, introspective portion of today's show, what is one mantra that you think throughout your life keeps showing up for you? Like what is that neon pink sign or blue sign that keeps coming up in your mind when you're at your darkest point and your lightest point? For me, it's this idea of be like water. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, it means go with the flow, but it also means like, Water's powerful. Water can be still. Move with what's happening. Don't try to fight it. Um, Follow the current. So really coming back to that, it can mean so many different things. And it's been really, really helpful navigating the past two years, especially Um, not just professionally, but personally and as a recovering perfectionist who, who wants to be the perfect, you know, the perfect beach and the waves all the time. Like, no, sometimes tide's going to go out, bitch, like relax, um, has been really, really, really helpful. I love that. That is so beautiful. And it's such a visual. I always like to say in my entrepreneurial journey, I'm really trying to go with the flow and, and have people around me, um, that are flowing the same way because it's hard enough to be a female, hard enough to be a female entrepreneur, 
Um, and I've just been so surprised about all the women and all the people out there that when you do ask for help are there for you. Um, so thanks for being one of those people for me too. Happy to. Thank you. All right. We're going to pivot to some fun and food for thought questions. So Katie doesn't know this question. If I told you that you could live only one place in the world and I gave you a one-way first class ticket to go there, where would you choose to live and why? Mexico City. Ooh. Uh, It's, I love the weather. I love the food. And I love the history and the culture that is not just past, but is present and, and all of that. There's just an energy there um, that, that makes me, that, that felt like home the first time I visited. I can see that. It's, it's a vibrant city. It's colorful. It's great for artists. Um, and there's just a pulse about yes. that, that is almost like a New Orleans, but, you know, way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a vibe. It's got a vibe. <laughs> Okay, so this one's a little bit more reflective in nature. Um, please answer the following statement, uh, the first response that comes to you. So no judgment, no inner critic. Um, what is one thing that you would like to learn to do, but you are scared shitless to try? Hmm. Is it bad that eight thousand like too many things popped into my head at once that I couldn't, I couldn't nope. pick one? Uh, draw and write a comic book. Oh, Draw and write a common book. A comic. A comic. Oh, comic. Yes, a comic book. Ooh. And what would it be about? Do you know or just? No idea. No idea. No idea. (laughs) I love that. I, you're the first person I've asked that question to. We had two different questions during last two season, Um, but I thought, you know, what are the, the most growth happens when you jump off the cliff into a scared shitless moment? So I wanted to hear what you're doing. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, I have so many. Uh, and I think for me, it's like, which one am I actually going to do? Like yeah. first, because I'm like, I want to do lots of things that scare me. Uh, but, get, you know, getting started is often the the hardest part. Yes. And, yeah. And usually it is stuff like that where I'm like, I know I could probably figure it out. You will. But I'm scared oh. that I won't. Yeah. No, you would. I, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> Well, thank you, my friend. This is such a such a pleasure. I can't believe it's almost an hour. Um, time flies when you're having fun and um, growing together. Um, I love what you said today about the power of storytelling, pushing boundaries. I love the whole concept of doing a friend date um, and leaning on each other and co-founders. Um, you're really lucky to have Rebecca and she's lucky to have you. So that is wonderful to hear about the friendship and the relationship you guys created. And that my key takeaway today was, um, you know, be like water, the mantra of being like water, you know, letting those bumps and bruises kind of flow around you, those rocks, um, and still being powerful and still, um, and aware, right. And it's ever evolving, ever evolving. So I love that mantra. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. What an incredible episode today. Hearing KT talk about her journey highlights the importance of discovering new ways and power of storytelling and pushing boundaries. As women, we are all searching for what lights us up and keeps us healthy. And together, we can learn how to burn bright and not burn out. To our listeners, for more information on Katie, you can reach her at owntrail.com, K to the T, or Twitter at her Twitter handle, K to the T.com. Thank you for joining us on the She Burns podcast. We are so grateful for your time, energy, and support. 
For more tips, resources, and tools on how to burn bright, please visit us at sheshatters.com or on Instagram at sheshattersllc.